Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. This is our second show in just a few days. But uh, we're doing this show because of the unfortunate circumstances surrounding the Chicago Cubs. The season's over, and it ended very quickly. It ended really kind of before we got a chance to get deep into postseason hopes. I mean, it was over with, I guess you could say the snap of a finger. It was one game. It was a very long game, but, you know, it was just one game. Uh, so we're going to be talking a lot about what went wrong, uh, kind of looking back at the season and what's to come. So it's just me and Adam tonight. Adam, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Just just me and you, huh? Yeah, just us two. Uh, and uh, the air, the ceiling, the sky, the birds, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, how are you feeling right now? Oh, you know, a little, uh, little queasy, but I don't know if that's from the Cubs. It might have been from breakfast, but, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a little bummed. I, I'm disappointed like anybody else would be, but uh, it wasn't as bad as 2017 because the Cubs – they just were not playing at the level they're capable of. And so part of me just kind of expected what happened on Tuesday. And so I, I mean, I, I still was rooting hard, wanted them to win. And it, it was, it was really disappointing to see them lose, but I had kind of already ripped that bandaid off beforehand. I kind of know what you mean because during Tuesday, like during the day at work, I was thinking about the game later that night and I kind of did that thing where you're hoping for the best and you feel semi-confident in the best, but you're also kind of mentally preparing for this team to lose. Because look, sometimes when you get really overhyped about a game and they lose, I mean, it could just rip your heart out. I mean, to be honest with you, I never really had that sensation with this Cubs team the most I had it was with game 163 because I really thought the Cubs could win that game at home. After that loss, I kind of, you know, like I said, I kind of saw both ways and how it could go and prepared for both. Well, 2015, yeah. you, you know, they got far. 2017, they got far. So I wasn't as sad, but, you know, game 163 was a little different. Yeah, well, and that's that, that's exactly it because last show we talked about how the playoffs it's a different feel. It's it's like hitting the restart button, uh, fresh start. But when they played game one sixty three and the offense was as stagnant as it had been 
for the last month and a half, that's when I thought to myself, okay, well, maybe they're, maybe they're not going to snap out of this. It almost got to the point where you said that ship that's supposed to write itself isn't going to write itself. It did with the starting pitching. It did with Kyle Hendricks, especially, but not really with the offense. And every time you thought that the ship was going in the right direction for a game or two, it went right back on the course with the iceberg in front of it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was really hard to watch. Um, And I wish, I kind of wish I could have watched that game just as a neutral baseball fan with no rooting interest, because I I feel like if I could have done that, it would have been a really fun game to watch. That's not to say it wasn't a a fun game to watch. I mean, when Baez tied it up, that was really exciting and it kind of got some energy back into me, but it just, this has just been one of those teams where like, as soon as the Rockies took the lead again, I real I just felt like it was over. You know, there's been moments where uh, the Cubs have played well enough where um, if that would have happened, I would have thought, you know what, they, they'll be fine. They're, they'll find a way. Uh, but I just didn't feel that way with the way they're playing right now. I, I really, that was the dagger. That, it's unfortunate, but I think one run was the dagger. Well, as soon as they took the lead late in the innings, I thought it was pretty much over. And, you know, I really thought that the Cubs – chance was that inning where they had Baez at second with one out. If they didn't score there, they weren't winning that game, and that's kind of what happened. you got to consider that Anthony Rizzo was out of the game, and you had to do a lot of substitutions. Now, Gore was substituted in for Anthony Rizzo, but I can't be mad at that because that ended up paying off with the tying run. So I'm not really mad about that. Yeah, I'm not mad about that. It's it's unfortunate. Don't get me. I mean, nobody nobody thinks that it's a good thing that they didn't have Anthony Rizzo for for so much of the game. But I don't think you could dispute. It. I don't think there was anything else you could do. I really think that it, as much as you hate to take Rizzo out, your your hands are kind of tied in that moment. Yeah, and here's the other thing: if you would have pointed to one part of the game that just infuriated me where I screamed to the heavens, things that I probably shouldn't have screamed to the heavens. It wasn't the go-ahead hit. It wasn't stranding the runners. Um, what It was, I think, what? It was the bottom of the 12th they had buys at second. It was the 11th or the 12th. One of those innings. That wasn't it. That was when they had two on, one out. Rizzo swung at the first pitch and grounded into a double play. Yes. Yeah, that was really that, – that was – Maybe the most deflating part of the game when, because yeah, I really thought they, they, they had something going right there, and it just really takes the wind out of your sails. Especially that since made, it's Rizzo. You know, if it had yeah. been, if it had been like Dave Bodie or Ian Happ or somebody like that, then I'd, I wouldn't have been surprised. But for Rizzo to do that, it just, oh my God, it was, that's terrible. Yeah, he's no a guy made. who rarely does that. Yeah, he. I mean, he is, and he even if he even if he doesn't come through in the clutch in that situation with a hit, he's always been a guy who will give you a really good at bat in that situation. Right. You know, I would have I would have at least expected him to to work the count a little bit. Right. Yeah, I mean, a double play there would have been excruciating no matter what, but it was extra excruciating that it was on the first pitch of an at bat after Bryant yeah. hit what should have been a routine fly ball that dropped in. 
I mean, that was a huge mistake. The Rockies gave oh. the Cubs billions of chances in that game. Oh yeah, it's and that's just that's just the way that game went. Tons of opportunities couldn't come through. Just stinks like a turd in the wind. And look, I cannot stress enough of how proud I was of John Lester. He did his job. Did he give up some early contact in the early stages? Yes. Did he walk guys kind of badly in the first inning? Yes. But you know what? Once again, he settled in, found a way to put together a great performance, and ended up with a good number of strikeouts. He had that curveball going, and he really settled into a groove. Yeah. There's no way I could be mad at him. No, not at all. And, you know, I was ready to be mad at him after that first inning. I thought, oh, my God, Lester, don't, not like this. But the way, he, the way he finished, yeah, you can't put it on Lester at all, not at all. Because he, I mean, yeah, he overcame a, a, a pretty, you know, the first inning wasn't ideal. You know, one run isn't the not worst thing that could have happened but when it comes because you you walked your first batter that makes it uh, a little more irritating but that final line there's there's absolutely no way uh, you could put this on Lester's shoulders because he really pitched his guts out in fact I'd go ahead and say you can't be mad at a single one of these pitchers and that includes Kyle Hendricks because yeah, hey, oh yeah two of those absolutely. those hits were just ground balls that found holes yeah, that's, I mean, I, I get it because I, I've done the same thing that in the moment in a game like that, you say irrational things in the heat of the moment. I'm guilty of that. I did the same thing on wild card night. I, I said some things that I, after thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that's, that was, that was probably stupid. I just said that because I was ticked off, but yeah, if you well, look in the at moment, that, it's easy to overreact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you look at that stat line and, I don't, I don't know how you could feel anything uh, but pride in the pitchers because every that as a whole, the pitching staff was phenomenal against the Rockies. They really were. They were, they were more than good enough to win. Cole Hamels went out there just looking great. And, of course, the big story was Pedro Stroke coming back. Before. Yeah, exactly. And Pedro Stroke coming back. Yeah, Cole Hamels has been in the league a long time, and he and he's been in the postseason before. He's a World Series champion. He's never had to pitch in that kind of situation before, and he handled it like a pro. Neither is Kyle Hendricks. But right, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was great stuff. Pedro Stroke, like I said, coming back, he was in some pain. It sounded like, but he struck out two guys. Yeah, that's the, good. The report, yeah, the report was that he was pitching through severe pain. Uh, which, if if that's true, we don't really know exactly. But either way, for him to come back and make his first appearance since being injured in such a huge spot and get the job done like that, I think it it really says a lot about him. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, you can't be mad at that. It was on the hitting. Yeah, and look, 100%. There was, there was that feeling through the first few innings that they weren't going to hit through the first two yeah. or three, when they had leadoff guys on, they couldn't score. You knew it was going to be that kind of night. Yeah. And you know, even 
I was watching this game with a couple friends, and one of them even said, after the first inning was over, you just had a feeling like the Cubs were doomed, like they just had nothing in them. And that I am inclined to agree, I could, because I kind of felt the same way. They just didn't look like they had any fire in them, most of them anyway. With the exception of Wilson Contreras, you know, trying to pump up the team as he was getting walked. Uh, yeah. which I think was awesome. He was trying to pump up his team. Right? I, I don't care what anyone says. That He was I trying to light it. a fire in that team. Yeah, get some momentum going any way you can. I mean, that they were desperate to scratch across a run there. I, you have to liven these guys up because they look dead. Yeah, well, and you know what? And The past couple seasons, like in 2017, you could make the case – that some of those games were mismanaged and that the Cubs, despite their shortcomings as a team, were let down in some ways by Joe Madden. I don't think you can say that of this game. I don't, I really don't believe that there was any controversial managing from Madden in this game. It just rests squarely on the lineup. They didn't produce. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with us, but I agree with you. He couldn't have made this team magically start hitting again. Now, were there some moments where you said he should have used Terrence Gore maybe earlier? Yeah, you could argue that. But, again, they didn't hit. Now, everyone was talking about the Jason Hayward at that, where they're like, where's Kyle Schwarber? You know, the way that night was going, I hate to be this kind of guy, but I think Schwarber or Hayward is striking out there. The way that game was going, they're striking out in that situation. It wouldn't have mattered. Maybe yeah, I'm completely and, wrong, but that's how I feel. No, see, I think that was one of those situations where either way, you're probably not making the wrong call. I Personally, I wanted to see Schwarber in that spot, but I didn't, I didn't totally disagree with using Hayward. It, it wasn't something that angered me because I, I think either right. one was going to – I, I'm with you. I think either guy was probably going to produce the same result. And Hayward has been making good contact lately. So I, don't, I really don't think Hayward was a bad call at all. I just would have preferred to see the guy with home run potential in there. But I, I, can, I can also see it from the point of view of, of just wanting pure contact just to see what happens. No doubt. Looks like someone is trying to call in here. We'll see uh, who it is. Hello. You are with us. How's it going, guys? Good. Just uh, something to chew on for you guys. Um, well, bottom of the 13th, what's Terrence Gore doing swinging at a full count pitch? Yeah. No, he should have been taken all the way. He shouldn't have even lifted the bat off his shoulders. Yeah, similar thoughts. Just kind of getting the professional perspective from you two guys. <laughs> yeah, pro- professional in air quotes. Here. Yeah, there, there's no way Terrence Gore should have been swinging at that. No way. Uh, I would even go as far as to say let him continue trying to bunt with two strikes because, it, I mean, the result's going to be the same either way if he fouls it off, if he misses, because he's not going to get a hit. Right, no, he can't hit to save his life, and obviously everyone knows that, which is another reason why you shouldn't swing in that situation and it was really more frustrating because it was ball four. He would have been on base. 
So yeah, and so I'll take maybe I'll take back a little bit of what I said earlier. That could be potentially one uh, area in which the game was maybe mismanaged because I think somebody, whether it be Joe or whoever was the third base coach, probably should have say, been saying you're not swinging at this next pitch. You, you're not allowed. That's, that's kind of what prompted me to call in was talking about management decisions, and I'm like, man, him swinging at that three and two pitch is pretty bad. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, how bad the Cubs the whole game. Putting Gore on base is is an inning changer in that spot of the game. Oh yeah, yeah, if he gets on, their chances to do something goes way up. Yeah, and you know, I I don't know if that was really a coaching decision or that was just Gore amped up trying to hit it. I really don't know. But if it was a coaching decision, it was certainly not the right one. So, yeah, I mean, I am glad you brought that up. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, very good point. So, you know, I'm still going to maintain that the managing did not lose this game. But if that was indeed their call to swing, then, yeah, that was a pretty big mistake on their part. Yeah, that was that was a pretty critical error. you have anything else for us? Special guest? Nope. You guys have have a good night. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Thank you very much for calling. I always like the, uh, I always like other people's opinions. I like when people join in. That's cool. That's fun. Yeah. I I generally don't like other people. I just don't like people in general, but, but that, that, that was okay. That guy seemed cool. Yeah. 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 I guess he seemed all right. Yeah. Seems like seems like a pretty good guy. I, I am really glad he brought that up because that was one thing that a number of people were talking about the next day. Uh, so, yeah, you, you got to, I guess, point at that. Now, you could say that if you would have got on and they would have tied and they would have gone more extra innings. Oh, God, could you imagine that? Oh, yeah, it would have been would have been nuts. But, uh, yeah, I'd, I'm glad he brought it up, too, because I kind of had forgotten about that. That yeah, that was that was so pretty I. bad. I just I don't think there's a single fan uh, that believes Gore should have been swinging at that last pitch. And it's right. it doesn't matter it doesn't matter uh, whether it was going to be a strike or a ball. It you know hindsight twenty twenty that it was ball four that it would have been ball four. It's ju- he's just not a, the kind of guy who can make contact like that. I mean that's that's not his job. That's not why the Cubs brought him in. They brought him in just to get on base and to run. That's it. Yeah, I mean I don't think he even had like a hit in the major leagues before he came here. I think he maybe had one. I think it, it said he had one. I don't, but I don't know if it okay, was. I don't know. It, it was. It was probably a bunt single, if I had to guess. If he even does have the hit that I'm thinking of. Yeah, maybe. But either way, he's not a hitter. Never was at any level. He's a speedy guy yeah. that steals birthdays. Yeah. yeah. And many other things. So I, yeah, I, that's that pretty much. My final thoughts on the that game. I don't know if you have anything else. No, it just you know I, everyone I talked to beforehand about this game pretty much thought the exact same thing as I did that you know, the Cubs are in trouble. And I saw your your poll, you know how people are feeling after this game, and I honestly I was surprised that anybody answered that they were in disbelief. 
Because if anything, I would have been in disbelief had the offense exploded and actually done something. When I put disbelief, I meant that in a few different ways. The one way I was kind of thinking of was that we're so used to having runs in October that it's hard to believe that it's just, it's all over now that it's October 4th and it's just, it's all over. There's no more Cubs baseball this year. That's kind of what I meant by disbelief, not necessarily the game result itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'll say that on a grand scale, I am in disbelief that this offense underachieved that they, that they hit so poorly, but that's not a recent thing though. You know, that goes back quite a ways. So sure. it's not, it, it wasn't a surprise by this point. Sure. So right now the poll, it's still live as we're talking. Um, it's got 79 votes. 65% said they're ready to move on. 16% said really sad. Only 5% mad. I thought there'd be a little more mad people. And then the 14% disbelief. Um, I'm in the really sad slash ready to move on uh, kind of percentile. Yeah, I mean – I I think the I think the low percentage of mad answers just goes back to the fact that everyone pretty much saw this coming whether they wanted yeah. to admit it or not I think they were already bracing for this and so it's it's hard to be mad when you know it's coming but uh, either way yeah. it's it sucks because that was a real tear in your beer end of the season but next year so if we're going to talk about the way the season ended in the context of looking back as a whole, because look, there are long seasons for every team, whether they're good, whether they're bad, it's a very long season, but you're really kind of judged on how you finished. In the end, they still had 95 freaking wins with Darvish being hurt with Chris Bryant being hurt with Pedro stroke, Brandon Morrow with the offense lacking with, guys not developing like you want with a lot of things going wrong, 95 wins. But we're sitting here looking at that team thinking, man, what, what a shortcoming this team was, even though 95 was kind of where we projected the team to be. Yeah. You, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth there at 95 wins, despite everything they, they went through. Uh, so many things went wrong. Uh Looking back on it, 95 wins is is perfectly fine. You know, even if everything goes right, I think 95 wins is a great regular season. It's just such a really horrible way to fizzle out, especially after everybody pretty much believed the Cubs were going to win the division, and then just for just like that, um, that's that's what's so uh, uh, disappointing to see. But uh, yeah, I would say that. You know, given the circumstances, they, they, they had a great regular season. It just – I think we just saw the writing on the wall, the way the offense was going. Right, and I think what makes the season so disappointing was simply that they didn't win when it mattered. They won plenty of games in amazing fashion. We talked about it on the last show, the Bodie walk-off, the Hayward walk-off, the Rizzo walk-off, the other Bodie walk-off. Uh, the comeback against Atlanta, they won a lot of games in amazing fashion. But when you can't win when it matters, back-to-back games at Wrigley Field, watching the other team celebrate on your turf, it rips your heart out and it gives you a pretty sour taste of how it ended. You don't want to yeah. be the fan 
that watch the other team celebrate on your home field, especially two days in a row. Yeah, it feels bad, man. And, you know, I, like we said, I, I, I had hoped that they could turn the Jets on since it's October baseball. But, you know, after that tiebreaker game, I just really thought, uh-oh, they're in trouble. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't going to go well tomorrow. Right. It, it, it's so frustrating, too, because we've been preaching to believe in this Cubs team all season. But when it came down to the nitty-gritty, with the way the Brewers were playing, with the way the Cubs couldn't muster a, a consistent offense, you know, it, the belief just kind of sank. Yeah. Just, just sank. You know what? The, I think that even had they won that game and advanced – to the NLDS, I think in my heart of hearts, I really believe that this team wasn't built uh, for a, a big run. And I don't mean in, like before the season started that they didn't make uh, the right moves. They absolutely did. I just think that with, with everything that happened, uh, it was going to be pretty hard for them to make any kind of a serious run, especially with their bullpen. Because once once you get deep into the postseason, it's pretty crucial that your bullpen is lights out. And I just didn't see that being the case with the Cubs. Even though they did really well against the Rockies, I just I couldn't see them holding up over the course of October. Comparatively, anyway. Yeah, I mean, the whole second half, you saw a lot of just uninspiring play and Nothing that really made you believe, even though you still tried to believe. I think it's pretty easy for a lot of Cubs fans to come out and admit and say, yeah, I I didn't really foresee a very long run this year, just the way things have gone. Yeah, and and even with... kind of applies to me. Yeah, I mean, and even even though certain guys were pitching pretty well, it's just like someone like Jaime Garcia or Jesse Chavez, Justin Wilson, it it doesn't really matter how well they were pitching recently. They just aren't guys that inspire confidence when you're playing a team like the Brewers or the Dodgers, you know, it just, I just don't think they had the right guys at the right time. Yeah. You know, sometimes it mixes, sometimes it doesn't. And I think if there's something to be excited about right now. It was the way Theo Epstein addressed the media yesterday. He was yeah. not happy. He was not afraid to tell it as it was. And he's clearly ready to start pouncing on some big moves here coming this offseason. That, that's the way I see it. Yeah, and I've, I've always really liked that about Theo, that he does not sugarcoat things. Uh, he, he will say exactly what he's feeling, which... I think is the same as what everyone else is feeling right now. And you better believe the Cubs are going to spend some money this off season. Obviously Harper Machado being the main targets here, which mm-hmm. I really think they're going to make a good run at one of them. Well, and here's, here's an interesting thing. I think most people assume that, that Harper would be the big target, but with the Addison Russell news, I almost wonder if that changes things, if they focused more on Machado than they would have otherwise. It could be. It could very, very well be. And it's, I, I think that's something that a lot of people are discussing right now. And Theo even came and said, our offense broke. He knows that. Yeah. And he talked about Joe Madden and he kind of pointed to the fact that 
they weren't always, I don't remember what the exact quote was, but he said that there were times when they weren't kind of fully in gear. Yeah. You yeah, know what well, I'm talking about. That, yeah, that's, that's just it. You, people can blame, they can point fingers at Theo and Joe all they want, but if Chris Bryant and, and Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras aren't hitting, like what, what do you expect Joe Madden to do about that? What do you expect Theo Epstein to do about that? There's, that's just one of those things, you know. That's my expert analysis right there. That's just one of those things. That's as in-depth as it gets. Okay, so here is something that a lot of people are going to be talking about as well, on top of Harper, Machado, and all that stuff this offseason. Um, obviously, the other one is Addison Russell. He got the suspension, and I hope that he's gone, and I think that he's probably going to be gone, even though I'm not as sure as I was a few days ago. Well, the other conversation that a lot of people are having is Chili Davis, the hitting coach. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I know last time we talked, I was of the opinion that getting rid of Chili now would be a little premature and that in a drastic changes uh, in your hitting approach, it, it takes some time and, you know, starting over now would would essentially be taking a year away and just and, and completely restarting everything. And I don't know that that's prudent. But the more I think about it, with the exception of Ben Zobrist and Javier Baez, and I don't even really count Ben Zobrist because he's been in the league so long that what, whatever he's going to do, he's going to do. I don't think it really matters who his hitting coach is. Ben Zobrist no, he is, is what ben he is. Zobrist. Yeah, so so I'm going to I'm going to discount him. So with the exception of Javier Baez, nearly every single player in the lineup regressed from last year, every single one. And I really expected to see some sort of improvement from either Wilson Contreras and Ian Happ this year, and they both they both lost a ton of power. Uh their their plate approaches were were noticeably worse. And, you know, I don't know how you can look at that and, and not put some of the blame on Chile because I just don't think it can be a coincidence that everyone got worse as soon as they hired a new hitting coach. And so I don't necessarily know that firing Chile is the right answer, but they definitely have to do something. They definitely have to address this with Chile. Well, that's the whole thing. There's clearly something wrong. The, the question is, how much can you blame Chili Davis? It's, it's hard to know because I'm not a hitting coach. I don't know anything about that stuff. I mean, he knows more about hitting much more than I do, obviously. I mean, Chili Davis was a good player, and, you know, he has been a hitting coach for quite some time. But this is a results-based game. Major league sports of any kind are results-based. If you're not getting the results – the personnel in charge of said sections are going to be held accountable. And people are trying to hold Chili Davis accountable now. And I can't blame people for doing that because there's been so much drastic decline, especially in power in a number of these guys. Again, Hayward looks better. Zobrist had a great year, but he's a a veteran, yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. There's just a lot of repression all around. 
I grant, I'll grant you Hayward. Hayward did look better, but I, I think that there, there also is, you know, the, the side to it where he, he wasn't going to get worse. Hayward, that was the worst year of his career. He'd been really bad. And so I don't know that, I don't know that you can necessarily credit Chili Davis for for Hayward's uptick because I think Hayward pretty much just got back to where he was previously, even when he didn't have Chili Davis as a hitting coach. The other thing I, I've been thinking about too is, you know, Chili Davis was with the Red Sox, and as soon as he left, the Red Sox lineup became world beaters. And I don't know if if that is. I don't know if that has anything to do with Chili Davis or not, but it's something to think on. It's something to think about, but at the same time, I also think J.D. Martinez plays a huge role in that. Well, true, true. But, I mean, you got Mookie Betts had an MVP-like year, too. I mean, he's a good, really good player, but yes, it's, it's something that a lot of people are talking about. And I think there's no problem with questioning Chili Davis's effect on the lineup. I just don't know if I could stand up and say it's all his fault. No, no, I, I definitely, I'm not willing to say it's all his fault. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is none of us knows. None of us really can know. All I'm saying is that you do have to take a long, hard look at it and you do it in one way or another, you have to address that situation. I don't think they can, I don't think they can go into uh, this off season without addressing the hitting issues. Right. That's, it's going to be a lot of thinking for Theo Epstein. He's going to have quite, quite some, uh, quite an off season. It's, it's going to be very busy for him. Yeah. This could, this could potentially be his most challenging off season yet. I, I really believe that because there, there's going to be some hard decisions to make. Oh, yeah, it very well could be. This is really, I think, in my opinion, the next phase of the Theo Epstein Cubs. This is the start of the phase where the young core that brought you success, the relevance there doesn't matter. What matters is winning. And if that means taking chunks of that core and moving on from those chunks to get other assets in, then I think now is the time where you're going to start seeing that. You may see yeah. Schwarber gone. You may see Elmora gone. You may see Hap gone. And in comes Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado, or, or some of those guys. This is going to be the next phase. There's only a few guys that I think are absolutely safe right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd, I think there's, there's plenty of guys on the roster right now who I, I would have told you before the season, I did tell you before the season that I, I believed were untouchable. And I really, with the exception of guys like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, maybe Contreras too, I don't feel that way anymore. I think everyone uh, can be looked at from a critical standpoint to, to see if moving on actually benefits the team or not, because we, we are, we're past the point of, of being nostalgic about our young phenoms. Well, it was one of those things where for many years we said, this is the team that they built. This is the team that they trust, and they're going to show us why we trust it. Now that cracks have kind of begun to show, it's, it's kind of a wake-up call that some things need to probably be changed now. 
And last year, I really thought that the core that we had was going to be the core that was going to move forward for the most part. But I think the season just kind of changes that. Yeah, there's there's going to be some really, really hard decisions to make. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, it's it's easy for us fans to, to be backseat uh, GMs and, and criticize every move that gets made. But I don't think you could deny that, that they're going to have to make some tough calls this offseason. And, and the fact is that some of us are just going to disagree with them. And that's the way it is. Of course. If I had a list right now of guys that I knew were absolutely safe position player-wise, because I think the whole starting rotation is going to be back, and by that I mean Lester, Hendricks, Quintana are obviously going to be back, and I think they're going to bring Cole Hamels back. They'd be stupid not to. But in terms of position players, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Zobris, you're kind of stuck with Hayward with that contract. Yeah. And then maybe Contreras. But outside that, I think others are a free game. Almora, Hap, Schwarber, Listella, those guys are free game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All those guys, for sure. Uh, I almost wonder if the, if the Cubs should be really aggressive about getting some dominant relievers this offseason, whether that be in free agency or on the trade market. I know that they don't have a lot to work with. Uh, for trades. That's, that's the situation they're in. And that's, that's not the fault of the front office because that was always the plan. Uh, You know, if you're, if you're at a point like this where you're in a window of dominance and winning, then that it usually means that your farm system is a little bit depleted. That's just part of it. But the league is moving in a direction where if you have an elite bullpen, you've got a chance to go all the way. Well, it's essential now. I mean, for crying out loud, we're seeing now teams make bullpen starts in the postseason. The way things are structured, you're going to probably see more and more of that. You can't win without a bullpen in this day and age. Long time ago, you could have your starters go deep and then bring in another starter to finish it off. Uh, You see that in game sevens and game fives of NLDS and wildcard games, but you're going to see more and more of these bullpen type games throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah. And this is, this is the second year in a row where the Cubs entered the postseason uh, with uh, on paper, the bullpen being their weakest link. And I don't know, I don't think they'll make that same mistake next year. I don't necessarily need want to call it a mistake, but I think they may approach it differently next year. Well, it's kind of unfortunate circumstances this year because you lost your two most important guys yes. in the yeah. last month, and you didn't have your closer through the entire second half. I just think well, injuries yeah. was really hurt it. it. It did, because, yeah, think about that. If, if Morrow is healthy, if he never gets hurt, if Morrow's healthy, if Strope is healthy, and if you have a good Carl Edwards. I mean, if, if you had peak C.J. Edwards from earlier in the year. You have all three of those yep. guys healthy and good to go. That's that's huge. That's a game changer. Oh, of course, because he was unbelievable in the first half. He was yeah. so nasty, and then it all yeah. just came apart again. Yeah, and that I don't know if that's you know that just might be the way it is with Carl Edwards for his career. He might you might just have to ride the highs and lows with this guy. I don't know that he'll ever get to a point where he's just figured it out and he's consistent 
on a daily basis. Well, we won't believe it until we see it. Right. But yeah. Um, okay. Here's another question that people were talking about. Is Daniel Murphy going to be back? And I say, no, I don't think there's a chance he comes back. No, I don't think he'll be back either. Unless it was you know, some kind of absurdly cheap deal, or if he was uh, okay with being in a platoon kind of role. But I think Murphy is still at a point in his career where he's good enough to, to be a starter somewhere. And I think that he, he would much prefer to go somewhere where he can start regularly. And I don't see that team being the Cubs. And look, I don't think it's right to bring back a guy who's getting older. His knees are bad. He could barely move. He can't field. It's just, it wouldn't be, I it, move on. You, you rented him for the rest of the season. That's all you were going to do. I don't think that they're going to bring it back at all for those. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. I, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for either party. Nah, it, it doesn't. And th- I have no basis for this thought whatsoever. Absolutely none. But there's part of me that just thinks he never really wanted to be here. I don't know about you, but I, it, it just, it, I don't know. I, I don't really know either. I, I, I can't really dispute that. I, I mean, it never really felt like. I mean, that wasn't the case with Cole Hamels. With, with guys like a guy like Hamels, you know, you could tell instantly uh, he was amped to be with the Cubs. Oh, oh, absolutely. And, Him and, and Jesse Chavez. Yeah, and maybe Murphy was, but you're right. You never really got that feeling from him. And yeah, he he's he's pretty much a a defensive liability. I don't know if liability is the right word, but he's he's a defensive downgrade from basically every other option the Cubs have. And and yeah, and it's it's fine too because it, in reality he's not that popular among Cubs fans. So it's not like anybody's going to be terribly disappointed to see him walk. Right, right, exactly. So that's why. It's really just why I'm justifying my thoughts that he's not going to be back. There's a lot of factors on that. And, you know, so he's probably not going to be back. Uh, There's not a lot of free agents that were on the Cubs this year. Uh, De La Rosa, Garcia, they're probably not going to be back. Um, I think Jesse Chavez is going to be the guy they're going to bring back. And then they'll uh, offer that contract to Cole Hamels. Those are the guys that I think, will be back that could move on this year. You you think the Cubs will give Hamels the, the $20 million option? I'd like to have him back, but I don't know about $20 million. Yeah, if you're the Cubs, I think so. do you, do, you, do you take the risk of declining that option and then trying to sign him for cheaper? Well, you could do that. I, you could do that. I think just either way, whatever it is, he's going to be back next year. Yeah, they, they they definitely have the advantage of of him wanting to be back. I don't know if he'd oh, be sure. off put by the Cubs declining his option if he would see that as, as disrespectful. But uh, because I do want him back, but uh, at, by the same token, he's not a twenty million dollar pitcher. Right. Yeah. I mean, the qualifying offer now is is pretty ridiculous. It's yeah. really ridiculous, honestly. But yeah, no, I, I totally see your point there, but. Hey, if you have him back and he's pretty good next year and you have Darvish healthy again and you have Lester and Hendricks and Quintana, you're looking at a real good rotation there. And you won't have to worry about a fifth starter. 
Oh yeah, and and we're not going to see Tyler Chatwood start more than four or five games next year, are we? I, I really can't see him starting any games in, in in situations other than you know guys are hurt or you want to rest some guys. At, yeah, at, his, his time as a regular in the rotation is over. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. especially if I, they have Cole Hamels back and every other pitcher is healthy and going. Yeah, and Drew Smiley be in the mix, too, next year. Yeah, that's true. That is absolutely true. Well, boy, we had some great conversations tonight. We're actually, like, out of time here. Yeah, that was a a good show, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, I think, one of our best shows, honestly. Yeah, I thought we had some great conversations. We're so good. Rock on. Professional. It's kind of of too bad that our best show was – in unfortunate circumstances, but you know what? It allowed us to kind of think out loud and talk more about how we feel going forward. Yeah. 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 I'm here if you need to talk. Right on. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to remind people that throughout the off season, we will still be here uh, with your Cubs takes and uh, some other few bad takes as, you know, we are a bunch of plebes here, but we have fun doing and it, knobs. and we enjoy having people listen to us and chime in. Always a fun can't time. Get rid of us. You can't. So we'll still be here. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night. Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org slash anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health.